0: Good morning, everyone. Many years back, I went to California with this guy, the late, great David Laporis. We were at the West Coast Celebrate Recovery Summit at Pastor Rick Warren's church in uh, Saddleback Church, it was called. They are the ones that started Celebrate Recovery, and Rick, as some of you may know, wrote the best-selling book, Purpose Driven Life. Well, anyway, it was an amazing conference, but a couple memories just really stand out to me about that trip. One, being how confusing it was driving in Southern California. Now, keep in mind, this was before all phones had navigation systems, so we had to use what we used to call kids maps. So I drove... And Dave was my navigator with the map. Now, you got to keep in mind two things. Dave was half deaf. He couldn't hear a lick. And two, he had the attention span of an ADHD child. So I'm trying to ask which lane to get into, and he can't hear me. I need to know when I'm turning, and he's like focused on the mountains. And apparently, during one of the 200 jokes I had to hear... We missed a toll road pull-off. How do I know this? Because two months later, I received a letter from California notifying me that a camera took a picture of the car's license plate, traced it back to the rental car agency, who found that I was in possession of it that day, and the rental car agency was nice enough to get, take out the 100 bucks with my credit card info that I had on file. Bless their hearts. So that was one memory that I still have. Now the other was during some downtime on the last day, we were able to drive on the Pacific Coast Highway, which is a road that's right on the edge of the coast, and it took, took us through Laguna Beach and just some other just beautiful areas. And I remember how awesome this view was, just looking out and seeing the ocean and the beaches and just being amazed at what God had created. But I also remember that in certain areas there were like 100-foot drop-offs that led straight down to the rocky shores of the Pacific Ocean. And these cliffs that were just feet away from the edge of the road. So if your vehicle was to get out of control, the only thing to save you was this. A guardrail. This was all that stood between life and death. This guardrail was the dividing point of where it's safe to be and where it's not safe to be. This is always the case. With guardrails. Whenever you see a guardrail, you should know that there's danger. I mean, think about it around here. We see them on bridges where there's danger. We see them in a medium where they are the separation point of traffic moving fast in opposite directions. Danger. We see guardrails along sharp curves. There's always danger on the other side of a guardrail. Guardrails are put in place to protect us and guide us when there's danger. They keep us safe. So here's our big idea for the day. Guardrails are designed to keep us from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. Guardrails are designed to keep us from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. So what if we took this concept of guardrails and we apply it to our lives? What if we were to place guardrails in areas in our lives where we tend to want to get a little too close to the danger zone? So if we were to get too close or rub up against the guardrail, we would recognize that we're in a dangerous territory. I need to proceed with caution. I'm in a position right now that could possibly cause damage. I'm in a position that could possibly cause me or my family some shame. And the truth is, if you were to be 100% honest this morning, your greatest regret that you have in your life could have been avoided if you would have had some guardrails in place. Proverbs 27 verse 2 says, The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. Prudent is basically someone wise. The wise see guardrails, the wise recognize danger. They take refuge, meaning they change what they're doing, they stop, they turn. But the simple, the unwise, keep going and they suffer for it. So today I'm going to show you three areas in our lives where I'm telling you it would be very wise to install guardrails. Three areas that are spoken about in the Bible over and over again because they often lead to our greatest failures. You see, when we mess up in these areas... They become life-altering events. These are the moments that we look back on for years, wishing we had that chance we could redo. And I promise you, if you establish these guardrails in these three areas of your life, you're never going to regret it. You will never regret it. So let's get into it here. Three areas we need guardrails. The first is our actions. Our actions. Now this seems broad, but I'm going to focus primarily on one action that is not generally talked about much in church because there are varying opinions on whether it is right or wrong to do. And the action I'm going to talk about is drinking alcohol. Now, before I possibly offend some people in here today, let me begin by attempting to get us all in a good mood. A gorilla walks in a bar and orders a martini. Now, this totally amazes the bartender, but he thinks, well, what the heck? I guess I might as well make the drink. So he mixes the martini. He then walks back over to the bar and he gives it to the gorilla, and the gorilla is holding out a $20 bill. Now the bartender's at like a loss for words because he can't believe a gorilla walked into his bar, ordered a martini, and then actually had a $20 bill to pay for it. So in amazement, he takes the 20 and he walks to the cash register to make change. Well, while he's standing in front of the cash register, he stops for a second. He thinks to himself, let me try something here. See if the gorilla notices anything. So he walks back over to the gorilla and he hands him a dollar change. Gorilla doesn't say anything. He just sits there, sipping his martini. Well, after a few minutes, the bartender he can't take it anymore. He says to the gorilla, "He says, you know, we don't get too many gorillas in here." Gorilla looks up and says, "At nineteen dollars a drink, I'm not surprised." All right, back to the teaching. The first area in our lives that we need guardrails set up as our actions, specifically our actions when it comes to drinking. Now, the first thing you must know, the Bible never says that drinking alcohol is a sin, but it warns us of the dangers of drunkenness 75 times. I'm going to walk you through one of them. It's found in Ephesians chapter 5. Now, if you've read the book of Acts, you know that the Apostle Paul started a church in the city of Ephesus. It's recorded in Acts chapter 19. And Ephesians is a letter that Paul wrote to the Christians in Ephesus. And in Ephesians uh, chapter 5 verse 15, he writes... Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. So he begins with a warning. He says, be careful. Be wise. There is danger around you. To make the most of every opportunity Christ is giving you, you must pay attention to how you are living your life. Be careful of the situations you are putting yourself into. He goes on. He says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. He says, understand what Christ is calling you to do. Understand who Christ is calling you to be. Understand how Christ is calling you to act. So Paul's saying you must know. You've got to know as a follower of Christ where your line is between right and wrong. Where it's safe to be and where it's not safe to be. And then Paul gives us our first guardrail. He says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Paul is not saying don't get drunk because it's a sin. He's saying don't get drunk because it leads to sin. It leads to doing things that are unwise. It leads to acting and making decisions that can be foolish, acting irresponsible, doing things that you may end up regretting, things that can hurt you but also things that can hurt others. Our prison systems are full of people that would back this up. I mean, even good people do bad things when they're just not thinking clearly. And getting drunk often leads to people doing things that they just wouldn't normally do. But the problem is, their perception became blurred. Drunkenness leads... To a loss of self-control, and then you just don't always recognize anymore when you're in a dangerous or when you're in an an off-limit area. And since alcohol by its very nature can lead anybody to a point of loss of control, Paul says you need to set up a boundary. You need to set up a guardrail. You need to make the decision that you're not going to get drunk. But the thing is, you need to know and you need to be honest where that point is. I mean, where exactly do you need to place that guardrail? For some, the guardrail should be no alcohol, period. Because some people can't drink anything without it eventually leading to a crash. You can rationalize whatever you want. Make up as many excuses as you want. You know it. God knows it and that needs to be your guardrail. For others, they're fine throwing back some adult beverages at the many nice breweries we have here in town or drinking some wine with their meal or some margaritas. You've got to know your limit. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. Paul ends this verse by writing, instead be filled with the Spirit. He's saying instead of being under the influence, let God be your influence. And the thing is, God will direct you and guide you. And the thing is, if you feel like the alcohol is a sin period, then it is for you. It is for you. The bottom line is the world's dangerous. It was dangerous back in... The day what Paul's talking about in Ephesus, and it's dangerous now. You got to pay attention. You got to be careful. You got to be wise. Don't get drunk. Honor Christ with your actions. That's the first area that we need to place guardrails. Now, the second area in our lives it would be very wise to place guardrails is our friendships. are friendships. Now here's the deal with friendships. Many friendships in our lives are with people who are moving in opposite directions than we are. Parents recognize this quickly in life. That's the reason that they constantly freaked out about the people that you spent time with. Some of us had those parents that said, you can't go to his house. You can't go to her house. You can't stay the night there. And we're like, why? It's awesome here. Their parents are never home. We do whatever we want to do. And all of us who grew up with those crazy, overreacting parents, we're doing the same thing now. Except we have like this huge advantage as parents because we have electronic surveillance systems. (laughs) Technology. We don't even have to go anywhere to spy on our kids. We can get on Facebook and look and see what they're doing, they got tracker systems you can put on phones. But seriously, the reason that we freak out is because we understand that friends influence the direction and quality of our lives. You see, the thing that makes friendships so great is also the thing that makes friendships so dangerous. When we're with people that accept us, we drop our guard and we're more open to influence. Think about it first cigarette you ever smoked, you were with somebody. Your greatest regrets don't involve around your enemies. They involve around your friends. And sometimes you just get around certain people and they're moving in different directions and you end up being the one who changes direction. In Proverbs 13, verse 20, Solomon says, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffer harm. Now this first part of the saying is basically, wisdom is contagious. Saying if you surround yourself with wisdom, people that the Bible says are wise, by nature of proximity, you become a wiser person. Now, according to Scripture, a wise person is someone that understands that all of life is connected. And by connected, it means what you do today will influence your tomorrow. What you did yesterday will impact your experience today and the day after. All of life is connected. So a wise person makes decisions not based on today, but tomorrow and the day after. And the Bible teaches here and other places this is contagious. That when you live life with people who act as if life is all connected, it impacts the way you view things, the way that you make your decisions. Walk with the wise and become wise. Now the second half of this scripture, though, is a warning. For a companion of fools suffer harm. Now this is often misunderstood. Because this is where we tend to get tripped up a little. Because we assume if I spend time with the wise, I become wise. So if I spend time with fools, I become a fool. And that's not what Solomon's teaching. He's saying that the person that does life with fools is a person who will eventually be impacted by the behavior of the fool. I mean, you may never behave the way a fool behaves, but eventually the shrapnel, the explosion of their life, the devastation that's going to occur in their life is going to impact your life. And you think, well... I'll never do what they do. I'll never think the way they think. I'm, I'll never participate in the things they participate in. Therefore, I'm safe. And Solomon says, You're not. You're not safe at all because the companion of fools, whether they ever adopt the lifestyle or the mindset of the fool or not, will eventually be harmed by the outcome of that fool's behavior. And you see it all the time. All the time. Someone else's life changed because they suffered the consequences of someone else's actions. And if you rub shoulders regularly with people that don't care, with people that don't live as if life and things are connected, you eventually suffer the consequences of their actions. I mean, if you have friends that don't care about their lives, they're not going to be concerned about yours. If you have friends that don't care about the health of their marriage, they're not going to be concerned about the health of yours. If you got friends that don't care about character, they don't care about integrity, they don't care about honoring God in their life, they're not going to care about it in your life. So here's your guardrail who you surround yourself with, your core group of friends should be moving in the direction you want your life to be moving. Your value system. What you want for your life, your marriage, your family, your finances, your spirituality. It should be going in the same direction as who you spend your time with. And if those of whom you're in close proximity with are going different directions than you, you need to be concerned. Concerned enough that you do something about it. You don't wait until there's a problem. Don't be like a frog. You know, if you take a frog and you put it in water and you start heating the water, you know what happens? Your stomach may start growling if you like frog legs. That's one thing, but I'm not talking about that. When you put a frog in water and start heating the water, the frog starts to adjust its body temperature as the water temperature rises. So as the water slowly heats, the frog adjusts its body temperature to the water. And this goes on and on and on. But just when the water is about to reach the boiling point, the frog cannot adjust anymore. And at this point, the frog decides to jump out, but is unable to because it's lost all its strength, adjusting with the rising water temperature. So the frog dies. And you think about it, I mean, what exactly killed the frog? I mean, I know some of you may say the boiling water. But the truth is, it was the frog's own inability to decide when to jump out. Listen, we all need to adjust with people and situations. But you need to know, you need to be sure when we need to adjust or when you need to move on. The prudent, see danger and take refuge, but the simple, keep going and suffer for it. And know that I'm not talking about people that you're reaching out to. I'm not talking about trying to lead the lost to Christ. I'm talking about your core group of people that have an influence on you. And they need to be moving in the same direction as you. That's how you keep from straying in dangerous and off-limit areas. That's your guardrail. So we need to place guardrails in our actions, in our friendships, and the third area, be very wise to place guardrails, is our relationships. Our relationships. Friends, this is an area in our life where we need like reinforced steel guardrails. And Paul gives us one. First Corinthians six, verse eighteen, he says, flee from sexual immorality. Flee from sexual immorality. These are strong words. Paul doesn't say be careful. He doesn't say be aware of where the danger lies. He doesn't say get to the line. Get as close as possible to it and peek over. He doesn't say look but just don't touch. He says flee. Because when a person crosses... Certain lines in this area of their lives, the disaster is often impossible to recover fully from. See, the trail of damage, the guilt, the lack of trust, the memories, these things follow us our whole lives. But the problem is, our culture seems to blur the lines of what sexual immorality is or where sexual immorality lies. The truth is, society glorifies certain behaviors. It encourages people to not only dress a certain way, but to act a certain way. An article a couple months back in Teen Vogue... Keep in mind, Teen Vogue is a magazine for teen girls. And it featured a column about certain sexual acts and offered these young girls advice on how to do the acts the right way. This is a source that girls trust and look for advice to teach them about the world around them. And that source is saying, yeah, you should try this because everyone's doing it. And they're giving them very misleading advice. Information. They ain't talking about the physical and the emotional harms that come with it. They're not talking about the long lasting impact of it. You see, they totally ignore those realities. I mean, it's bad enough young people are force fed they have to look a certain way or be a certain size. Now they're saying you need to do certain things. It's like everywhere we turn, In our culture, everything the Bible says is not okay to do, the world is saying, hey, it's not only fine, but it's expected. See, culture fools you into believing things, and it loves to leave you with a lifetime of consequences. It baits us right to the edge and then mocks us as soon as we go over it. That's why Paul says, flee, from sexual immorality. Man, he says, don't even get close to the danger zone. He says, put your guardrail so far away from it that you're not even going to be tempted. You're not even going to be tempted to cross that line. And then he explains why for a Christian, sin in this particular area of our life is greater than sin In other areas, he goes on in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18. He says, All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. It's a little different perspective than Teen Vogue. And I know everybody likes to say a sin is a sin is a sin. And all sins are equal. And Paul says, no, they're not. They're not. Why is this worse? Because God the Father created your body. God the Son redeemed your body. And God the Holy Spirit indwells in your body, making your body the temple of God. The Bible doesn't use the words home, house, residence. By choosing the word temple, conveys to us the idea that our bodies are a shrine, a sacred place to be revered, to be honored. We are called to honor God with our bodies. If it's dishonoring to God, don't do it. Flee from it. And if you're single, I mean let God prepare you for the right person. Let God prepare you to be the right person. Slow down. Wait. You're worth it. Your future relationships are worth it. Give God something to bless. Not everybody knows this, and some people it bothers, but I've been divorced. When my ex-wife divorced me, I went two years without dating. I didn't want to do anything foolish. I didn't want to be tempted by things. I didn't want to move towards something that I might regret. I honestly wanted things to be done in God's way. And in God's timing. Well, after two years, I felt God giving me the green light. So I prayed, God, just lead me to whoever you want me to be with. Problem was, I didn't really know how to date at that point. Kind of uncomfortable with the whole thing. If I didn't meet somebody in church, where was I going to meet somebody? Walmart? Walmart? I've seen those people of Walmart videos on Facebook. <laughs> not good. So a buddy from mine here in church said you need to do online dating because that's what everybody does. And I'm like, "Whoa. Oh, sounds kind of dirty. I'm not sure about this." But we found a site called Christianmingle.com. I signed up. Within a week, I was messaging this sweet little thing from Ohio. A couple weeks later, we met in the daytime at a public park, a nice safe area, and we just sat and talked. A couple weeks later, oh, that was it, we met in the park and talked. So. I then, after that, I canceled my subscription. I never went out on a date with another person, and I married this lady named Loretta two years later. Thank you. See, I let God choose my relationship. And when He did, I knew it. And it's funny because she tells the story of when she left the park, she called her best friend and said, I just met my husband. See, as a Christian, you need to let God choose who you should be with. Man, people get in too big of a rush because they get lonely. They get in too big of a rush to find a man or find a woman. And what happens is they tend to settle. And you're too valuable to settle. Way too valuable. And I'm going to throw this out there. A few things that I'm certain of. You're not going to find Prince Charming at 2 o'clock in the morning at the bar. It's not going to happen. Another thing I'm certain of God is never leading you to someone that's already married. Absolutely will not happen. You need to move and move fast. If you're single, just be careful, be patient. Honor God with your body. Honor God with the decisions that you make. Put up guardrails. The prudent see danger, take refuge, but the simple keep going and they suffer for it. Now for the married people. You see, we need like many, many guardrails set up to flee immorality, we need like electronic fences. We need like moats that they put around dungeons. We can never be too safe when it comes to our marriages. So I'm going to quickly give you some guardrails. A few guardrails that will keep you from straying into dangerous and off-limit areas. And I know these may sound extreme, but I believe that's how you have an extremely good marriage. First marriage guardrail, never keep passwords secret from your spouse. Both partners in a marriage should be completely comfortable with having their spouse look at any social media accounts, emails, text messages, financial statements, whatever. Marriage is built on trust. Never keep passwords secret from your spouse. You only do that if you got something to hide. Another guardrail. Never have dinner alone with someone of the opposite sex. Why, Why even give Satan a chance to even start working? I don't care if it's church. There should be respect involved in this. I don't care if it's work. Truth is, You need guardrails at work. Seventy percent of infidelity begins in the workplace. Another one. No flirting. If you're married, it's never okay to flirt. No matter how much you insist that it's nothing. Every affair in the history of the world started out as nothing. Flee from sexual immorality. Flee from sexual immorality. Let me tell you, your marriage is too important. And the world's too dangerous. I know the guardrails that I've talked about today, they seem to go against today's culture. But we can't let culture set our precedent. We've got to let God set it. And it doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. The thing is, they will eventually have to answer for themselves. My Bible says, White is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. It's okay to flow in a different direction than what society's moving in. You don't have to be normal. Whatever normal is. In fact, we're not normal. We're children of God. Not only is it okay to be different, we're called to be different. We're called to do things differently. Sometimes that means we've got to change the way we do things to remain safe. It's like when an eagle crosses paths with a snake. Both deadly creatures. Both powerful in their own right both powerful in their own element but what happens is the eagle's smart it doesn't fight the snake on the ground it's too dangerous the eagle picks it up and takes it into the sky and it changes the battleground it then releases the snake in the air in the air the snake has no stamina has no power. It has no balance. It's useless. It's weak. It's vulnerable. Unlike on the ground where it's powerful, it's wise, it's deadly. See, here's the thing. When we put guardrails up in our actions, in our friendships, in our relationships, we are changing the battleground. We are putting things in our favor. We're giving ourselves every opportunity to prosper, to succeed, and to be victorious in whatever God is putting us into. Man, don't wait until you have a crash. Don't let that be the thing that makes you decide to do something. Don't wait until you bring shame to you or your family. Don't wait until you have a life-altering moment. Like I said at the beginning, you will never regret putting up guardrails in these three areas of your life to protect you and to guide you and to keep you from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. Let's stand for closing prayer. Let's bow our heads. Dear God, we, as a group, stand before you right now. As your people that have fallen short at times have missed the mark at times. But also a group that's been redeemed by the blood of Your Son, Jesus Christ. And God, we ask that You give us the power and the wisdom to take what we have learned today. Use it, apply it to our lives. God, allow us to be not just hearers of Your Word today, but doers of Your Word. Give us the strength to stand against the attitude of the world. The desire to honor you, God, and to glorify you in the way that we live our lives. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. There is a prayer team up here. If you need prayer, there's a table in the back that Abby is at. If you want to recommit your life or you've never given your life to Christ, know you're always loved in this place. We'll see you next week.